So Shahid, you had an idea for this episode of Remaster. It's just you and me today. Uh, we we M- Mike wasn't able to join us. We we gave Mike some time off. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the, our friend is busy, so we 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 said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take care of Remaster this month. And uh, Shahid had an idea. You had an idea for for this episode that like it captured my imagination right away. Um, your idea was like, why don't we talk about like the moments in our lives when when video games um, helped us get through some of our some some tough times, which I thought immediately like yes, let's do it. I I love the idea because it's very unusual, I guess, from what we typically cover on remaster. Like we typically cover the news or you know some um, historical context about the industry or the games that we are playing now, retro games. We rarely get into the whole like personal and emotional aspect of video games. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, for this episode, this is perfect. For you and me, we're going to hash this out. We're going to talk about this. Let's do it. So when you asked that question in our Slack, like what, what, what are the times, do you remember the times when, when a game helped you uh, through a tough time in your life? And so I've been thinking about this and Obviously, the first like the the first game that comes to mind, which shouldn't be a huge surprise to remaster listeners, is Pokemon Sword. Um, I, we've talked about this game, you know, Mike and I. We've we've covered it multiple times since its release in in late 2019. Uh, it, I believe it was my game of the year in in when we did the episode in December 2019. This is the one that got you playing competitively again, yes. right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. This is the this is the game that got me back to the series after uh, 15 years. I had largely ignored the uh, Nintendo DS and Nintendo 3DS games. I had not played uh, Pokemon Black and White, Black and White Two. I hadn't really played X and Y or Sun and Moon or Ultra Sun and like 15 years since I pl- last played a Pokemon like a mainline Pokemon game like for real uh, on, on a console, and that was when Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire came out on the Game Boy Advance. So in 2019, you know, first uh, first real like new. Um, main series Pokemon game on the Nintendo Switch. Obviously, Nintendo had put out uh, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee before, but those mm. were like remakes slash spin-offs of the uh, original Pokemon games. Pokemon Sword and Shield were the new, like, Generation 8, uh, you know, really new Pokemon games. And um, when I started playing them in November 2019, uh, when they came out, the, I was like, yeah, this is cool. I'm going to finish the main story. Uh, it's fun to play a Pokemon game again. And it's perfect for the Nintendo Switch that you can play on the TV or you can, you can pick it up and play and do short sessions in portable mode, in handheld mode. And that's cool. Mm. And over you know, the course of November and December, I took a bit of a break for the holidays. Um, and that's when I, I started getting into the whole competitive aspect again like doing research, like what does it mean to play competitive Pokemon online? What is VGC? What does it mean to like to train a, a, a proper Pokemon team? And I, t- and I took advantage of the holiday break for Christmas and New Year's um, to do some research, do a lot of reading, watch YouTube videos. But it wasn't until, like the reason I'm mentioning this game 
is that Pokemon Sword, in many ways, it saved me during the pandemic. This is like, obviously, you know, December 2019, we started hearing the first uh, rumors of this yeah, yeah. pandemic uh, coming from China. And of course, originally, everybody thought, oh, this is like a China thing. And it very quickly became clear that it wasn't a China thing. It yeah. was a global thing. Yeah. And Pokemon Sword, it helped me, it, it kept me sane and it really kept me company during the the first lockdown, I mean, the spring 2020 lockdown in Italy, it was very bad and it was a very scary time. You know, uh, two and a half years ago, we had no idea what to expect and our government started shutting down everything. And so in a matter of, of like a week, we lost the ability to go see our friends, to go out to restaurants, to go out just to, you know, shopping or whatever to go see our families, to get together, to do, to go to the movies, to do anything that regular people do in regular life. And suddenly we were isolated. We were, you know, closed off from the outside world and, and scared because we had no idea what to expect. You know, in the UK, we were, we were being um, shown reports from Italy yeah. that were really frightening. And I think a lot of Europe was seeing the initial reports. Italy got hit hard very early. Yeah. So we were we were really worried because you know you look at one European nation, you think that's going to happen elsewhere as well. Yes. Yes. That was late February, uh, early March, I mm. believe. The the lockdown started in early March, and you remember the the videos of the people singing and playing guitars yeah. from from their balconies, like yeah. That, I remember all that, and it and it was scary and you know after the first couple of days of like yeah this is cool we're just gonna sing on our balconies i mean obviously the novelty effect <laughs> wore off pretty quickly there yeah. and by week two we were all like well what are we gonna do now there's only so much pizza and bread that you can bake at home and even buying groceries online was challenging because like our infrastructure was not ready for any of this. It was impossible to buy stuff mm. on Amazon. It was impossible to order groceries online. It was it was challenging to find masks to wear at the like to buy them at the far, at the local pharmacy. Wow. It was all new and scary. Uh, and of course, you know, obviously I'm lucky because I've been working from home for forever since 2009. So I feel fortunate and, and privileged enough to be able to say that work-wise, professionally-wise, my adjustment at the time was not that dramatic because I've always been working from home, writing mm. and recording podcasts. Yeah, But what I wasn't used to was just uh, spending all my time at home without being able to invite my friends or go see my friends. And so Pokemon Sword, what started as a, like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to play Pokemon games again. Like, it started as, like, sort of nostalgic rediscovery of the series. It became my main source of entertainment and, like, my main distraction. When I wasn't spending time with Sylvia or when I wasn't playing with my dogs, like, what am I going to do? I'm just, I'm, I'm going to play Pokemon with my Nintendo Switch. And, like... It became my most played game of my entire life. I mean, I, I, 
I believe I posted a screenshot a few weeks ago on Twitter that I logged over 800 hours. How? <laughs> well, that's that's the three years of playing, but mostly like of those 800, like honestly, like 750 were just in 2020 because that's that's all I did. Like I got really into competitive play. And you know this, we yeah. talked about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the thing is, the reason why, like it got me through a tough time, but I want to see like, it's not just getting through a tough time. It's like making the best out of that situation. And the thing I remember to this day very fondly about that time is not that it's not just that I was able to distract myself by playing Pokemon Sword, but it's that it opened up a whole new area for me in terms of like I got to know a tons of interesting people online. Um, you know, creators, uh, Pokemon players, yeah, uh, people who are part of this scene that I wouldn't have been able to get to know or or meet or talk to privately otherwise. And you know, this is like one of those cases of sometimes you don't expect a bad situation to lead to positive consequences, like to positive results. But this is exactly what happened with Pokemon Sword to me, like getting to know, you know, creators like uh, Aaron Zhang and, and Wolf Glick on YouTube, like getting to know um, other Pokemon players from Italy and from the US and folks who participate in this scene has been been incredible and you know to this day like i'm i'm anticipating the release of the new pokemon games on the nintendo switch but i remember fondly despite the situation um pokemon sword in 2020 and i mean of course i kept playing in 2021 but much less than the year before and you know i i of course in 2020 we had two lockdowns in italy one in the spring one in the fall mm. um so yeah that that game is like the first answer that came to mind when you asked, uh, is there a game that got you through a tough time? And in recent memory, that is absolutely one of them. It's incredible. It's like, you know, it, you're, you're walking through your normal life and suddenly a sinkhole opens. You fall down the sinkhole. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the bottom, yeah. there's a completely new community. I mean, you're in darkness, right? You're not in contact with your, your normal world anymore. But there is an amazing new community of people living down there. And you're you're able to reach out and develop these relationships in a brand new way, a very different way, because it's obviously all of this had to be done virtually. And it's not like you didn't have a virtual life before, right? It's just that it wasn't mm -hmm. your only life. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 it and it became that for like several months. And and it couldn't have happened had it not been for the uh, for the lockdowns. My guess is it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Like and and so like i can say so many i have so many other examples in in my professional life of like things that happened and 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 they're great now but initially they were spawned out of a out of a tricky situation out of a bad situation uh, out of a complication in my life i have many examples of that uh but it never happened with video games uh, until pokemon sword mm. so that was a that's fascinating and it's something that like honestly like i think it uh, no this is not an exaggeration i was gonna say maybe it's an exaggeration it's not like it really changed me as a person in terms mm. of like the kind of interests that i have and the kind of people i follow the kind of people i talk to the kind yeah. of things i want to 
do in my life. Um, so yeah, it's definitely like the highlight for me, like of, of you know, 2020, this video game, how many things it changed for me. I have a couple of other examples. Um, the thing I was going to say, I think, is that I'm fortunate enough to, you know, I had one bad period of my life. That's when I was diagnosed with cancer and when I did chemo and I did treatments. Um, but otherwise, like, I, I always I always saw that moment as a temporary setback. Like, and I understand that everybody's different, right? Uh, when you get that kind of diagnosis. Uh, a lot of people, uh, obviously, <laughs> you know, it's fine to be sad and upset and angry. Mm. Uh, and and looking back now, I mean, of course I was concerned, but really the main feeling that I had, I was not upset or sad or really preoccupied. I was annoyed. <laughs> I was honestly <laughs> <Wow>. annoyed <laughs> by it. Like it was like, and my whole mood, that was in tw late 2011 and the entirety of 2012, my whole mood was like, I'm so annoyed by this because I got to work. Like I had just started Mac stories two years before. I was like, I need to get back to work. Yeah. And so I think maybe, you know, when you asked that question, maybe you were expecting me to bring you some games from that period of my life. But the reality is that I cannot because when that happened, my solution um, to distract myself and to keep to keep me busy and sane during that time was not to play video games, was to effectively, and I gotta be honest about this, but like I drowned myself with work. Wow. I, that, I, and I can tell you, it absolutely saved me because I had this very clear goal in front of me. I was like, I need to get this over with so I can get back to work because I have mm. things to do, you know? That was my whole approach. And so, Do you really, think that helped in your recovery? Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like that, I don't know. It was like, I had this whole vibe of like, I, I know I'm going to get like, and it was a pretty bad and serious diagnosis, but I, I, like I was convinced, like I'm going to get this or I'm going to get, this will be fixed so I, so I can get back to work. Like mm. I had that very clear purpose in front of me. And I, I can tell you, I never stopped working, uh, you know, from a hospital where I was doing chemo, I was still talking to my to my colleagues. I was managing a team. I was writing. That's when the whole like working from the iPad thing started for me. Wow! Because it was the only portable device that right, was bigger than an right. iPhone and I, had a I never cellular connection. Made that connection. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it all started there. Right. Um, but that's why I wasn't playing video games at that time. Mm. Um. So I don't have any more dramatic, like, tough times. And I feel pretty fortunate about that, you know, at least so far, not convert. But, like, I, I wasn't playing video games, you know, in, during that period of my life. Yeah. But I still want to call out two more games. Um, one is about, like, a year where I was maybe more stressed out than usual. Um, and Zelda Breath of the Wild really helped me there. And that was 2017. And I was stressed out for uh, not like any particularly bad reasons, but like we adopted our two dogs, Zelda and Ginger, in the spring. And they were really little. They were, uh, were puppies. And they had been abandoned way too soon by who knows 
who did this stuff. But anyway, uh, the first few months of having them at home were really rough. It was like having two babies and they were constantly, you know, crying or waking up in the middle of the night or chewing stuff around the house <laughs> or, you know, being difficult with their things. And like, I remember being super sleep deprived <laughs> initially. Um, and then just a few months later, I started working, I believe it was the iOS 11 review for Mac stories. And mm. it was tricky for me that year because that review got out of hand. It was way too long. It was way like overscoped. It was too complex. I followed the wrong approach for a bunch of sections. But essentially by late summer, I was incredibly stressed out and nervous and anxious about this review. And I have this memory of playing a Breath of the Wild and also Dead Cells, excellent uh, in the 2D action RPG indie roguelike oh, game. I loved that. That's I remember playing Dead Cells and Zelda Breath of the Wild for like short bursts of 30, 45 minutes just to decompress from the review. That again was like this 75,000 word piece. And that's the yeah, book. That's uh, like a short novel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. And, and it was way too much. And I promised, like, I promised to my, myself, like, never again. Like, I'm never going to do this kind of um, too. It was way too technical in places. Like, that was the, 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 some, the, the example of the kind of review that I never wanted to do again. But then, you know, by late August, I had it, and I, and that was it, and I needed to finish it, but I still needed to distract myself with something every few minutes. And so the Nintendo Switch had just come out, you know, that was August 2017, the Nintendo Switch launched in March 2017, mm. so it was still new, and uh, maybe, oh, maybe that sales was not that year, maybe, uh, I don't remember, but for sure, Breath of the Wild. Mm. Um, and lastly, uh, this is not like a, this is not a tough time. I want to mention, but this is a, a an example of a video game that created a, a, a great time for me. Like uh, it's not about getting through a tough time, uh, so it's maybe more of a footnote for this episode. But I still want to mention it because I remember this game creating memories that I still cherish to this day, and that game is Super Smash Bros. Melee on the GameCube. Uh, so we're talking 20 years ago here. Wow. Uh, and I remember um, organizing these tournaments uh, with my friends in the summer. Uh, we used to go at this camping area. Um, some people would call it glamping these days. It's like glamorous <laughs> camping. It was basically like we didn't have a tent. We had like a little wooden house and it was quite fancy but you know it's it's not like it was like a billionaire's place it was like regular families yeah but just instead of having tents you would have like these little wooden houses uh but you still had like a shared bathroom with other people like it wasn't it was it's not like i was a uh, baby elon musk <laughs> is what i'm trying <laughs> to explain <laughs> so and we had this group of friends you know I, we were all teenagers and i had a tv i had a gamecube and so I asked my mom, hey, mom, do you think it would be possible to buy some extra controllers so that we can uh, play all together Super Smash, Super Smash Bros? And I remember 
organizing like all these afternoons where we organized these tournaments you had a uh, you had the ability in the gamecube game to organize a local tournament like a, a it wasn't even a lan uh, party right right we were all playing on Just the same, on the same machine same machine and super smash you don't even need to use split screen because you can see all the characters on the on the same stage at once of course all these controllers four wired controllers and imagine like 16, 18, 20 people all there in front of my TV, yelling, <laughs> screaming, throwing the controller around. It was beautiful. And yeah. we played for an entire summer. And that's still like, you know, there. I have other memories, of course, of, you know, hanging out with my friends and playing soccer and going to the beach and doing stupid things that teenagers do. But that memory of, playing Super Smash with my friends, if it weren't for a video game, that video game, like that memory and all those jokes and all those moments, they wouldn't exist. Yeah. And and I think it's an example of video games, yes, for sure, like providing escapism in your life and distractions, but also they have an, an additive value, I think, in terms of adding to your life's experiences, creating memories. Mm. And, uh, I, and I just wanted to mention this too. I mean, when I asked the question, yes, you're right. I did. I, I was a little bit apprehensive because I wondered if that period in your life would come up. That is not, of course, why I asked um, this question about mm -hmm. you know games getting us through tough times. I thought it might resonate, but obviously I couldn't be sure. I asked because it's the subject I've been covering recently, albeit indirectly, because yeah. I'm I'm trying to work out if, and with a bunch of people actually, if games can heal. Now the science hmm. is increasingly pointing to the fact that yeah. they can. They can heal. They can help with anxiety, PTSD, with uh, symptoms of depression, and uh, many other, not just mental health issues, but potentially even physical health issues. So th this is an area of video games that I'm particularly focused on these days. And I, I started to look back and realize that video games had been with me and in my life and provided solace for me. And not just solace, obviously, they helped in the hard times, but like you put it so well, it's like they stamped great memories into your life that didn't need to be defined by anything else other than you playing that game with or without friends, you know? That's the beauty of the memories that are created. They're joyful in and of themselves. It's not a sad pastime. It's a happy pastime. Yeah. But there have been times for me, particularly when... um when I guess playing the games was tinged with the sadness. And I'm going to go in reverse order. Uh, and there are many, many examples I could draw, but I'm going to go a reasonable amount back. So the, the first example I'm going to draw on is Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Okay. So that that come out. Um, I believe it came out late 2007, but I played it for two years between 2008, 2009, and I played it for two hours every single evening after coming back from work, and sometimes for longer on the weekends. Now, 2007, I had too many strokes. I uh, suffered from blindness for five months. Eventually, an operation reversed that, 
I was off work for a while and I was wondering if my career was over. And uh, when I came back, it was obvious that even five months off had not really changed my position at the company at all. And that made me even more, um, I guess, disappointed at just how much I'd allowed myself to slip in my career. Because if you come back to a job and you haven't really fallen behind, then you were already basically at the bottom, right? <laughs> because you just pick up where you, where you were. And I was basically an account manager at PlayStation at the time. And I was, I was maybe two, two and a half years in before all of these things happened. And when I started to go back to work, and I began to feel this lingering depression. I turned to Call of Duty, and at first it was really difficult. And I realized I was really bad at this. And I tried to play online, and I encountered, uh, apart from the, the beatings I regularly took by <laughs> young people, yeah. I also encountered uh, racist abuse. And mm. uh, because my handle on PlayStation Network is Muslim, I also got a lot of, you know, you're a terrorist and blah, blah, blah. And a lot worse than that, too. The good thing about that, of course, is I had friends in the PlayStation Network uh, moderation team uh, at the highest levels. And I let them know, passed the reports on to them, took screenshots. They banned them instantly. And, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and it was just hilarious because then they these these people would get in touch with me, whoever they were, and said, oh, no, it wasn't me. It was an accident. Someone hacked my account. Uh, it was, sure. <laughs> my friend was using my PlayStation. Please give me my account back. And uh, I I would just block them. And that was, that was that, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, that was hilarious. But apart from that, I was getting my my butt handed to me regularly. But I carried on playing. I went to work. I was depressed. Came back home. Sat, you know, like some people will go to the pub. I sat alone in front of my PlayStation 3 playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Okay. And two hours at a time. And I would go through the, whole, the full gamut of emotions from uh, anger to despair to um, apathy to uh, acceptance, grudging acceptance, because I just felt like I wasn't getting any better. I was way behind the curve and I was not very good. And this seemed to be a reflection of my career. Mm. And every day I saw a mirror of my career, but you know what? I kept coming back. There was something in that game that made me keep coming back and I kept playing and playing and playing. And you know, funny thing happened. I was playing with my friends on the weekends. I'd play alone in the evenings. After about two years, I think it was 18 months, two years, and I was playing online, I started to kick butt. My you, favorite. You kept playing for yeah. a year yeah. and a half. Year and a half, two wow. years, yeah. So I, I was playing multiplayer on the warehouse level. I don't know if you remember that. It was a very confined space with a gantry in the middle, and it was just yes. utter, utter mayhem. It was like a, the, the training area, very small rectangular area. Anyway, I started regularly winning that with the slowest, heaviest gun there is. You know, the, the really heavy gun. I can't even remember the name of it, but M62 maybe. I don't know. It's huge. And uh, the clip would take forever to change. But 
I started winning regularly. And something happened in my head. And I realized that over the time I'd been playing it, that none of the time I'd spent on it had been wasted. I realized that if I just show up every day, I might not notice the improvement. There might not be any improvement, but that if I kept showing up, I would improve to the point where I was beating the same racists who originally were beating me. And, and you know, let's face it, I'm not yeah. a young guy now, and I wasn't even a young guy then. So to be able to get to a point where I was regularly in online battles, beating everyone I was playing against, it was a really massive signal to me that I had misunderstood the whole point of work and that the reason my career had fallen to rock bottom was because I hadn't been showing up. I hadn't been putting in the time. I'd been expecting progress without putting in the effort. It was about and the discipline. Yeah, absolutely the discipline. I mean, hmm. that's, that's the thing for me, that the lesson I got from that was if you just turn up, regardless of the results you're getting, if you just pay attention, you improve without even noticing, no, noticing over time. You don't even have to pay conscious attention at the time. I know there's a lot made of deliberate practice and noticing your mistakes immediately and correcting them. I didn't need to do that. You know why? Because my body and my brain were doing that anyway. They were making minor adjustments in the video game as I played. I didn't even realize it. And that was it. It was starting as a complete amateur, someone who was out of their depth, someone who expected to turn up and win. And I realized that mastery takes time, but you can become a master. And video games were the absolute perfect vehicle to reflect that to me. So that's, that's a great example. That, that's my first example. I mean, okay. I, I don't know if you've ever had that sort of time in your life, but that is something I reflect on often just how much I've taken for granted and, and how the video game pulled me out of that slump. Yeah, I love I loved the sort of how you, initially you were seeing the, the parallels between your personal life and the game. But then as you started getting better at the game, that also made you realize, you know, my personal life, my career doesn't have to be this way. And so like, the, the game became sort of like this this instrument to give you the... I mean, obviously, it's not like a game improved your life, but it gave you a framework, maybe. Like, it, 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 gave, it gave you the first step on how to make other changes in your personal life. And so uh, almost like, you know, a, a game as this sort of system that helps you reflect... And, you know, do a bit of a self-analysis, maybe? Absolutely, 100%. The game was my therapist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great way to put it. I love that. So going back a bit further. Okay, so we're going back in time. We are going back in time. We are okay. now going back to 2004. I okay. had, um, so very personally difficult time for me, 2004, because this was about, uh, a year after I left um, my family home. Okay. And my life was in pieces. My health was in pieces. My finances were in pieces. 
my career was in pieces and uh, I'd endured sickness, homelessness. Basically, life had been rock bottom. And mm. I, I had all my stuff in this temporary place I was staying at, all in boxes, all scattered around. My friends came and saw me. And my, my friends, wonderful, David and Jeff, I've mentioned them many times. I've mentioned them in Code is Just and are friends to this day. Anyway, so they came and visited me and we had, um, we, we had not played video games in a while. What we did was we played some, uh, some music, but I didn't have a video game set up. And so Jeff asked me, um, if there was anything that I'd been thinking about playing and, uh, so look, my PC's not up to it. It's packed away. I haven't even set it up. And he's always very supportive in that way. He's like, come on, let's set it up. We set it up and I had nothing to play on it. And it was a, a pretty old rubbish PC, to be frank. And then I had been selling as much of my uh, possessions as I could, um, you know, wrapping up stuff and se sending it off on eBay just to survive. And so bit, bits of my life were going out in the post every day. Uh, thankfully, there was a post office nearby, but the PC was still with me. It was not really mm -hmm. good enough. And I had a bit of money, I know, about a hundred pounds. And I said, well, I'm going to need a new graphics card because there's nothing in here that's going to run anything modern. And he asked me if there's any game I particularly wanted to play. And I said, Doom. And of course, it was Doom 3 at the time. So they yeah. uh, they found a good place to to get a graphics card, but it was several miles away. None of us had any money, and so they walked. Both David and Jeff walked about I don't know five or six miles to to this computer shop, bought the graphics card, bought a copy of Doom, and walked back. And then we set it all up and we started playing that on the PC, and. It was wonderful because it's like, my goodness, video games have come a very long way since I last really played them in earnest because it had been quite some time, you know? I didn't have any consoles set up. Uh, it was to be a little while later before I got back into consoles again. Uh, and that was 2005, at the end of which I joined PlayStation. But up until that point, you know, the life had been falling apart, so there wasn't really much time for games and certainly wasn't the money to buy them. But what I, what I loved about that time was that it could have been any game, but it was Doom 3, and it was wonderful to play, and it was just the joy of playing with my friends again. And, and that is a really sweet moment for me, because although my life was in pieces, the fact that I had my friends with me the fact that we were still laughing together, the fact that we were still playing video games years and years and years after we all first started to get into that area. Because we, we go back a long way, you know, we go back to the uh, late 70s, early 80s. And so we'd grown up playing video games and talking about them. And for this, for this time to come back and to connect us again meant that there was still this beautiful constant that could be, could be attained that joy was still accessible. You know, the joy had not completely vanished from my life. There was still that thread running through my life. 
Mm. And it was very powerful. And that's what I remember. I don't remember now a lot of the dark stuff. I have to force myself, which is not normal because we right. have evolved to remember the dark stuff because it's what saves us from experiencing it again, right? It's just devolution. But for me, when I think back at 2004, I think of Doom 3, David and Jeff. Well, well, I think it's also... I'm also like that. I think, I think like there's a lot of... Uh, I struggle very frequently to remember the bad stuff, but I always remember the memories that I cherish. Like, uh, that's exactly what I was talking about before. And the fact that mm. you remember of that period of your life, the thing you remember is doing three and playing with your friends together. Um, mm. I can relate to that because like, I, I don't know what it is about it, but just the idea of which maybe, maybe the thing that makes it special is that, you know, obviously we as humans, we all, we always crave connection. That's what makes us human. Um, and the the thing about connection is that I think over as you grow up, as you you know, as you grow older, it becomes increasingly rare and challenging to get together with people. You know, <laughs> you know, you, we've been trying to plan, we've been trying to organize a dinner with our new neighbors for like two weeks, and I cannot even <laughs> begin to tell you, like, it's impossible to schedule yeah. something as a, as a, you know someone in his mid thirties. Like, it's it just. Having that kind of close personal connection is a privilege in many ways. Yeah. That's why people play online. That's why people talk online. That's why social media exists. Like, that's exactly the point. And so I think video games, when they are about that kind of local multiplayer, those experiences, those moments, they stick with you. Like, they, they, you remember them. I remember going with my with with my friend to to buy a nintendo wii on launch day mm. i remember riding uh, on my friend's scooter under the heaviest rain i've ever seen in viterbo like it was absolutely pouring down mm. and we got to the video game shop we were absolutely drenched but we still got the wii and we went back to his place we fired up the wii and we started playing wii sports like i still like all those moments like i don't remember the bad stuff from high yeah. school yeah. i remember those moments and uh yeah video games have a way to frame to encapsulate those moments that other media, I don't know what it is, but other media do not. Like maybe concerts, maybe going together to a concert has that kind of, you know, powerful effect in terms of crystallizing a moment in time. I'm going to argue that video games are more powerful than concerts. I And I would agree with you, yes. Because the second you said it, I started to think back uh, about the concerts I'd been to. And I remember them, but but dimly. And the reason I think I remember them more dimly yes. than video games is because with video games, I shared the moments more intently and more intensely with my friends. They yeah. were the focus. The games are the thing that we rallied around, but the friends were the focus. The discussion with my friends was the focus. The games never made themselves the star. We weren't all eyes on the game. We were having fun with each other, talking with each other. It's almost like the game was was our pleasure as a service as opposed to um delivering us these feelings from a really privileged 
um, and aloof position, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. But you're, you're right in that the, the concert is probably the closest thing. It's close, but it's not the same. It does lap because... Because I think what makes a difference, what makes a difference, like you said, it's like you are more intentional when you're playing video games together. Whereas right. in a concert, you you are a witness, right? To to a con- like you you yeah. see the concert. I mean, I guess it would be different if like the band invited you on stage and suddenly <laughs> you know you are yeah. part of the concert. But That's it's still, be it is else. a shared experience. It's a powerful shared experience. But uh, I. I, I'm with you on that. Like I still like th- those video game memories. They are vivid in my mind, um, and not all concerts are. Yeah, yeah, and I, I guess football matches as well to some degree. But I don't remember football matches as vividly as I remember the experiences with friends at games. Because at a football match and at a gig, you're part of a crowd. You all you you almost dissolve into the crowd. And I think that's part of the purpose of these mass events is that it gives you an opportunity to let yourself go to the crowd just for a little while in this controlled environment. But a game doesn't do that. A game forces you to be all that you can be. It doesn't force you to give any of yourself up. It asks you to bring yourself, to bring everything of yourself. Yeah. So my last example is, of course, I'm sure that everybody is going to be expecting this, is Star Raiders from 1982, which is what got me into video games in the first place. And mm. that's over 40 years ago now. And the thing for me was, when I saw Star Raiders, it was such a step above everything else out there at the time. It was an absolute technical marvel. In 82, nothing looked as incredible as Star Raiders looked on a screen. It was almost impossible to believe because, you know, I'd been playing arcade games for, for a few years up until that point. Nothing like an arcade game and certainly nothing 3D was available at home. And the first 3D games were really rough and ready, but Star Raiders looked and sounded like hell and fury. It was magnificent. <laughs> you know, it was just shocking to the senses. And so when when my mum got her, I've told this story a billion times, so I'll abbreviate it. So when my mum got me this machine, I asked for it under the guise of learning and um, and its utility. But I know what I wanted it for, and that was to play Star Raiders. And what that gave me was the most intense gaming experience of my life, because obviously it's the first time, Right but also an escape from the racism that we encountered every day, the bullying we encountered every day. It was just somewhere else to go that had been unimaginable up until I had that machine. I turned the light off in my bedroom. I had a black and white TV, but it didn't matter because Star Raiders were set in space and the screen was mostly black. You had the odd flash of color. Didn't matter in black and white. And I did things like I took some um, gaffer tape, um, was it gaffer tape? No, it was masking tape. And I cut it into crosshair strips so that when my attack computer went down, I still had the crosshair at the exact point that it was meant to be. So I could carry on playing for extended periods, even when my attack computer was damaged. And I remember all these things. And and I remember the first time I got Star Commander Class 1, 
And I remember the first time I got Star Commander Class 1 playing the entire game without shields. And, you know, the the way I, I shouted in delight when that happened. And I remember <laughs> when I realized that this is what I wanted to do, that I, I didn't have a clue how I would do something like this, but this is what I wanted to do. And I remember that I then began in earnest to learn to program. And it was so difficult to begin with because there was no internet. And even while the racism and bullying and so on was going on all around me, even though I was skipping school more and more because that was just hell as well, I just used that time to play Star Raiders, to try and work out what was going on and to teach myself programming. And bit by bit over that summer, I became a programmer. And um, that, I guess, is where I end my story, which is right at the very beginning. (laughs) 